Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Jason and Peely with the REI Foundation Podcast. I'm uh, really excited to have Joe Fairless with us today. Uh, Joe Fairless is a full-time real estate investor and the host of the world's longest-running daily real estate podcast, Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. His career began in New York City. <laughs> we have both uh, met in New York City, so we love the city ourselves. As the youngest vice president of an advertising agency to create a company that now controls over $135 million worth of real estate. Wow. wow. Hi, Joe Fairless. Welcome. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot. Looking forward to talking to you too and everyone who's listening. Perfect. Well, Joe, we really appreciate you being on with us yeah. today. Um, Thank you. Joe is, has been an integral part of our lives in many ways. Um, we, we have been starting this podcast as a, a foundation, a platform for other people out there to, to find their basis and find their, their start to a path of um, really just financial freedom, whatever means apart. And uh, Joe has helped me specifically and, and, and helped us uh, get into multifamily and, and find a route to get into our first deal, which we're very excited to be closing in uh, about two weeks. Yeah. Thank you for you, yeah. Joe. Yeah. And congrats on the upcoming closing. Thank you. Thank you. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're about now. And, uh, and then we'll pattern that about um, where you started in your path to real estate. Sure. So now I am in, I do multifamily syndication, which probably a lot of your listeners know what that is, but in case anyone's not familiar, basically I uh, partner with accredited investors I put my money in it in a deal. They put their money in the same deal, and then we share in the profits. I, as you mentioned um, earlier, Peely, I have 135 million. It depends. That's based on purchase price. The value is probably more. It, it definitely should be more. Um, but 135 based on purchase price million dollars of uh, primarily apartment communities. The only thing that's not in there. The only thing that's in there that's not apartment communities, I have three single family homes, but so primarily it's apartment communities. And um, that's, that's my area of focus. What we do is we buy value add apartment communities that are stabilized, but there are value add components to them, like doing renovations and increasing the rent or uh, doing a rub program. So you bill back a certain utilities to the residents. Um, or uh, doing building fences around the ground floor units to give some more privacy to the resident and you know, increasing rents there, um, lowering expenses through um, different um, green programs and, and all sorts of ways. So that's been the focus. And in addition, I've got the long, world's longest running daily real estate right. podcast. Uh, that is the best real estate investing advice ever. I've interviewed Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a whole bunch of others. And uh, get in, and I, I'm getting married in two months. So all sorts of stuff. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Huge. Nice. Huge. Well, I, I think one of the, um, the topics that would be key for, especially people who maybe who haven't done their first deal, is just to understand your mindset and, your, and really how you were able to, to frame your mind to be able to go from, one, just getting into real estate investing as a single family home to start, and two, to make such a jump to even your first complex to let alone $135 million worth of real estate? Yeah, I think a couple things. One is my, uh, my 
a thought process. I, I'm not a, a materialistic person. I don't care about stuff. You know, when I and my fiance now, she's on board with this. When we buy something, then we give a, give away something. So we're constantly either uh, it's a wash or we give away more things than we actually buy. Uh, and that way we don't just acquire more and more stuff because stuff doesn't mean much. And the, I mean, I, you know, I've got $135 million worth of real estate uh, with my business partner. And uh, I drive a 2012 Toyota Corolla. Like I just don't care about that stuff. And so let me, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that back to the beginning because that's that mentality is, has been applied through my whole investing career. When I started, I moved from Texas to New York City. I was making $30,000 at an advertising agency on Madison Avenue right out of college. My check that I received was, I think, like 775 bucks every two weeks after taxes were taken out. And my rent was $750. So I didn't have a lot of money to invest, uh, let alone live. Uh, because half of my my monthly money went to pay rent. It was like three it, meals in New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like like New York. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for anyone familiar with New York City, I was living in East Flatbush, Brooklyn, which um, isn't uh, isn't the safest place, or was not the safest place at the time. In fact, statistically speaking, they had the busiest police precinct in all of the five boroughs of New York City when I lived there in two thousand five. Wow. So I, I moved there for a year and then I moved to the East Village in Manhattan, wonderful area, lived there for nine years. But here's what I want to mention about it. I lived in the same apartment for nine years and, and while I was climbing the corporate ladder in advertising. So I, as I mentioned, I made 30000 at the beginning. And then when I became the youngest vice president, my salary was 150000 not including bonuses. All of my friends, every single one of my friends, they were uh, upgrading their living situations. And while they were upgrading along the way, they were making fun of me for living like a college kid, <laughs> even though I had been out of college for eight, nine, 10 years. And I had a, a roommate from Craigslist every single year. Uh, sometimes they stayed multiple years, but every year I had a roommate from Craigslist at the beginning. I had a roommate from college, but then he moved back to Texas. And so I just got roommates from Craigslist well into my, all of my twenties and my early thirties. I did not have a, uh, a living room. There was a refrigerator, but it was a dorm style refrigerator. So it was a teeny tiny refrigerator. It was just two bedrooms, a hallway, a bathroom, and that's it. And, and a dorm style refrigerator. So I got made fun of along the way, but when I told my buddies, yeah, I'm also buying these homes because at the time there were homes. They're like, oh, well, how'd you do that? And I tell them I'm saving my money. I'm not paying this yes. rent. I'm not increasing my, my lifestyle, uh, you know, because the natural um, evolution or, or how nat people uh, devolve, I think, uh, when, they, when they go with their finances, once they start making more money, is they start increasing their, uh, their fixed expenses and they buy nicer stuff. So in this case, in New York City, you start with a roommate or multiple roommates, then you have uh, your apartment by yourself, and then you want a doorman building, and then you want some other stuff. And, and the whole time, like I don't want any of that. I just want to be financially independent. 
And so I would told, tell them about that. They're like, oh, that's a great idea. But then they just kept increasing their lifestyles and I was being made fun of. But at the same time, I was buying some homes in Texas. And so that, that's the mentality I've had all along. And I think that's important. That, that's something that gets overlooked a lot. And so I kept my fixed expenses the same. Um, and I was able to make New York City money and invest in states where that money went a little bit farther, specifically sure. Texas in 2009 when I bought my first house. Wow. Yeah. So this might take you back way too far, but how did you start with this mentality? Because yeah. I mean, I wish I had that mentality when I lived in New York City because mm-hmm. I did exactly what your friends did. As soon as I started making more money, I got a better apartment. I got a better... I didn't have anything to show for the work that I was actually doing except you know, thing like, uh, just things. A nicer place. Yeah. A nicer yeah. place. Yeah, well, you know what? I didn't even go to the level that I think I should have gone. And the level I think I should have gone is move out of Manhattan, move into Jersey, buy a duplex yes. yeah. and live in one side, rent out the other. So I didn't even do the most extreme scenario. Yeah. Uh, so I, and I, I, I don't regret it, yeah. but it's certainly something that, I, if presented the same opportunity again, I would have done that. But, but how, how did a, you get that mentality in the beginning? Uh, I, Maybe well, how you were you born, know, never raised. Yeah, you, you know, um, uh, fortunately, since I'm from, I was born in Michigan, but I spent my most of my life in Texas. Fortunately, since I was from Texas, I didn't really care about a larger apartment because I knew I didn't eventually want a larger apartment. I've always had a longer view of things. Yeah. So I, I now if I were in Texas, my, uh, after college, this might be a different interview because I might have bought a house that was a little bit larger with a backyard mm-hmm. and gone to the traditional route. But because I, I didn't really care about a larger apartment because I want a backyard with a dog and trees and squirrels and stuff. Exactly. Uh, I, I didn't care about you know, doorman buildings or anything else. So I was perfectly content in, to, to have a smaller place. And it was also something that I was proud of. You know, Tony Robbins talks about the six human needs and one of them significance. And I did get some significance from being that guy who just was was living like a college kid but saving his money and buying investment stuff and once i got that um late label i i owned it and i kind of liked it nice yeah I, I think that uh, that really helps us uh, parallel. I was going to say we could go on a whole episode about probably crazy yeah. roommates in New York City. That- <laughs> oh yeah, I lived. I I literally lived with a, a prostitute in New York City, and I do. I I, I did stand up comedy two shows. One of the places I did it at is closed down now, so that's how good I was. Um, <laughs> and, and I, but I literally I, I lived with a prostitute. I didn't know it at the time, but she was she was one. Um, I think you win. Yeah, yeah, you win. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you did bring up uh, Tony Robbins' the six human needs, and uh, I mean a, a lot that of of a common uh, through line that we we see when we're talking to people is just maybe their mindset, their their habits, and just transitioning from their their path of maybe okay habits or bad habits, but consistently building on good habits. What, what has really been a good step for you that you've created in your life, even you know starting with your day, just just how to get your mind right for all the work you're doing, or, or how do you set up just put your mind in the right place when you're, when you're starting your day. Yeah. A couple things. One, as soon as I wake up, I have a liter of water with a scoop of wheatgrass 
and that helps alkalize my body, um, get out some of the acid, just flush my body and, and hydrate me. And more info on that, people can read PH Miracle. It's a really good book, mm-hmm. uh, PH Miracle. Um, in addition, I do a daily journal. I started this a year and a half ago. I freaking love it. Everyone should do it. It helps you, um, helps you see the progress that you've made, especially if you have a hard time believing you're making progress. I guarantee you, you are. Um, just in the mindset that you have had and are having as long as you're continually um, educating yourself with YouTube videos and Tony Robbins stuff and listen to podcasts like yours. Uh, so I do a daily journal and all it is, it's really simple. It's a Word document that's password protected, a Word document. <laughs> and, and I just put the date, today's date and bullet points. Sometimes I do screenshots of certain things. Sometimes I do... Um, uh, take pictures and I send them to my email and then I put them into the Word document. And most of the time, it's just two or three bullet points of what happened that day. It could be things I accomplished, things I want to accomplish, things I'm thinking about, things that happened last night, whatever. It is so freaking cool and um, gratifying to see what you were doing six months ago, one year ago, and to read what you wrote at that time. That is something I highly recommend doing a daily journal. Besides those two things, I'd say the last thing is I I'm doing some I, I am doing something that nobody on the face of this planet has done, and that's the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. Yep. Nobody in the world in the world has done a daily real estate investing podcast as long as I've done it. I don't even know anyone who's doing a daily real estate investing podcast, let yep. alone as long as I've is. done it. Over a thousand episodes, over a thousand interviews. And you know. Um, that that's the type of mentality I have when I'm in, I'm all in and I just continue to do stuff that I know is effective for my business. And the podcast has been so beneficial for me uh, personally from a learning standpoint, but also from a business standpoint, making some really powerful relationships. And so those are the three habits. Um, I'd say I, I alkalize my body. So I get, I get some water and some wheatgrass I journal every single day. I probably miss maybe five, seven days in the last year and a half. That's it. And then I do I identify what is going to be effective in my business and I just go all in. And that's uh, an example would be the daily real estate podcast. I have over a thousand episodes. And the crazy thing about podcasts is each and every one of them are amazing. Like, yeah. And you give it just, there's so much feedback and you have so many different patterns that you can go with each podcast. Mm-hmm. You yeah. cover just so much ground. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's real estate investment. First off, thank you for that compliment. I, I, I'm not sure I agree that everyone's amazing because <laughs> I'm just really critical of my, my own interview skills. I do have amazing guests. Yes. But I don't know about my interview skills. They've certainly evolved. Well, um, every time I've listened to it, I've always taken something away and that's, that's sort of what you want to yes, do with every single yeah. podcast. I've always taken yeah. something away and I've always listened to it to, until the end. I mean, yeah. there's podcasts where I listen and I'll be like, Oh, I have to go do something else. But yours is like, if I can't finish it, I go back because yeah. I know that there's something there that I and, can take away. And that, that means a lot. And that, that's a focus of mine because, um, you know, I, I've interviewed now over a thousand people and 
uh, I'm still learning. Like I, right before I, I was a couple minutes late to this call because right before I was interviewing someone who has a hundred million dollar fund and he's buying multifamily properties <sighs> with the fund. And so I was all in on that interview. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to know, learn more yeah, and holy stuff. cow, what, like if I didn't have a podcast, then first of all, I would have never come across this person. Secondly, I wouldn't have learned some things that I can then apply in my business and I can share out with others, like how to raise a fund. What are the pros and cons? The pros are you get a scale faster because you're buying more and you can buy portfolios. The cons are you don't make as much money with a fund as an individual syndication. Yeah. So that's, that's the type of stuff that is just, it's just really valuable um, for me personally, but also to the listeners. You ask, uh, the consistent theme is, uh, I think one of your questions at the end, of course, is what's your best real estate investing advice? You've had now, so what, over a thousand interviews. You must have a pattern of people who are finding success in a real estate business or or whatever business you're speaking to them. Pretty much, it's mostly across the board real estate. What is a consistent pattern you see of people there that ultimately find that success, whether it be, you know, it doesn't have to be monetary, but, you know, just having, having their time or, or having the life they want. What is something that you see as a pattern throughout with people? It's I'd say, question, uh, yeah, I, I'd say uh, I interviewed a developer who mentored under Ross Perot when Ross Perot was doing a lot of development stuff. And um, Ross's advice to him was be more focused on um, return of capital than return on capital. So make, make sure you get your money back first before you worry about what's the projected profit. And that if you're in real estate and you don't, you make sure you don't lose money, then I can guarantee that you're going to make money eventually. So, um, you, first off, you're probably going to lose money in some some transaction. By <laughs> <Sure>. the way, <laughs> spoiler <Yeah>. alert. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you if you do focus on the return of capital first before return on capital, then you're going to be setting yourself up for success. And here are some specific ways. Because I've interviewed a lot of people who got who just got nailed in the 2008 yeah. um, Armageddon crash, and um, some some ways that the reasons why they got nailed was that. Uh, they didn't have enough operating capital to float through the bad times. They weren't cash flowing and they needed to sell. So just flip that. Um, have enough operating cash ca capital to float the property or properties mm -hmm. if un something unexpected happens. Uh, make sure that you uh, are not over leveraged and you don't have to sell. And uh, make sure that when, when you're investing in real estate, you're doing it intelligently and um, you are cash flowing along the way. Buy properties that cash flow. The people who get in trouble are the fix and flippers who don't have... I know, I'm sorry. The fix and flippers <laughs> who, who don't have uh, the property that they're flipping, making income for them. And then the market shifts, the comps change in three weeks or a month for $50,000 shift down. And guess what? You got a property that uh, isn't making money. Then you have to rent it out. You might have some hard money on it. And then a whole host of problems happen. Uh, the people who... And developers too, ground up developers. If you're taking dirt and making it into apartment communities or industrial or whatever it's not cash flowing until you actually find tenant or tenants. Um, therefore, what I do is we buy stabilized cash flowing properties, 
that make money day one, we simply enhance the value of them. There's risk in everything. There's risk in what I do, but we mitigate the risk versus a one-off fix and flip or something like that, a development where it's not cash flowing. You make more money on the... You can make more money on the development side of things, Mm -hmm. but the risk is also there and it's a little bit greater than what I'd want. Yeah, much higher. Yeah. And of course, you you create that point where, yeah, you're right. Everybody loses money at some point, but it becomes a... uh, you, you figure out that it, you, you you learn a lot, and the other part is uh, you you learn the questions that you maybe should have asked. And I, I find that a lot is uh, yeah. I, with a lot of the points that I failed at, I've realized well I could have asked that, but I didn't know to ask that until I do know to ask this now the next time. And mm-hmm. that's a that's a big part with that. But yeah, cash flowing, stabilized properties, everything you said there, spot on. Mm-hmm. Sure, not not as much money in it as yep. development, but. Again, being focused on return of capital versus return on capital first. Yeah, so, so we we also fix and flip properties. I know. Um, <laughs> I like stop yeah. doing that. Um, well, I, I I think it I think it's great to fix and flip if if you've got enough cash flow to float should something unexpected happen, and if you're diversified. Um, I mean, if if you got money in the bank. And you can easily, if you could buy a freaking place cash, if something happens, assuming that it's leveraged to when you acquire it, then, then fine. I mean, I, I think that's fine. So there's, it's all, it's all about diversification of risk and, you know, mitigating it when, when you can. Well, my my question was, cause we started as fix and flippers. Mm -hmm. Um, how, like, what did you tell Jason to get him to see the light <laughs> that is multifamily investing? Well, like, ask, I don't know. Ask Jason that question. Well, I think I saw the, uh, pattern being that it's, you're only going to be as good as your, it's like, it's constantly like searching for, for a check. Yeah. So I'm constantly every week yeah. I'm, now we're going into the next part to find the next paycheck. And then at some point, you know, it's just as if you got fired, you could assimilate that uh if you if you have a bad flip that goes wrong, which one or two or something's always gonna go wrong in every point because you're you're pulling apart a house that's been put together, you're gonna have some cut to that paycheck. Maybe at one point you're gonna lose money where it could yeah. be assimilated as you're as you're fired. Where if you're buying a property that maybe has, you know, fifty, seventy-five, a hundred, hundred and fifty doors, well, you're not gonna be hurting if 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 you know quote unquote, you have three, uh, three units down units and you got another two where people are, you know, moving somewhere else, but you still are able to float that across 75, 80 units that, uh, you have so much more leverage, so much more economies of scale and, and so many other patterns. But again, it comes down to buying, right? If you, if you Mm -hmm. buy that apartment complex or even the flip at the, at the top of the market and you don't leave yourself room to be able to grow into it, then you can have the same problems, but at least you can, you you can spread your problems and and also create a lot more value within an apartment complex where flipping, you have to, it's a different pattern of of buyer too. Mm -hmm. If you're uh, if you're a flipper, you're, you're buying basically, you're, you're, patterning it to a homeowner who may care more about, uh, you know, what kind of kitchen you have where this property, it's an apartment complex. It's all about your, your net operating income and, and where you can, where you can create value that's going to increase the operations, which ultimately increases the, uh, the worth of the property. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. And um, I, I'd, I'd say one other, one other thing about that in fixing flipping is great for getting chunks of cash. Correct. Uh, and then it's investing. What do you do with that cash? That's the real key for all the fix and flippers who are listening. Are you then doubling down on more fix and flips? Are you staying mm-hmm. at the roulette wheel yep. or are you, 
um, putting that money into something that's more long term, like apartment community or storage units or single family homes as rentals. Yep. Um, and the the some some might say um, after they study what. I do and what uh, you two do for multifamily syndication. Some might say, well, basically, if you're planning on exiting in five years, you're basically doing a flip, but it's more long-term. However, Mm -hmm. here's the key. That's not correct. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because we plan on doing a 1031 exchange to go into something larger after we sell at a profit. So we can continue to grow and grow. I just interviewed someone yesterday on my podcast. His episode's going live in about a month. He started with a, I want to say an eight unit or 12 unit. I forget the exact number, but he bought it for $260,000 all in and it appraised for 500 and something thousand dollars about a year later because he added value, bought it, he bought it right. And then he bought a 26 unit then he did the same thing. Then he bought a, like a 72 unit or 80 something unit, 100 and something unit. And he just recently closed on a 250 unit for $7.9 million using the original that was invested in the, the first property plus the profits. He kept rolling them via 1031 exchange. And that's why I'm doing multifamily syndication because this is a, a decades play for me where yes, we are we do plan on exiting out of the property in about five years, but we're not taking our chips and doing it again. We're just rolling it into something larger and making money along the way. And could you give like the, um, we'll say the quick notes version of 1031 exchange. So what, what are you doing now with this 1031 exchange? Yeah. The, the 1031 exchange, basically it's a, a way to defer the capital gains taxes that you make on a transaction uh, so, you know, you, you, if you have a property, you make money, you can either take that money out and uh, get taxed on it uh, like everyone else does um, when they make money on the stock market or on a, investing in a startup or something. Or, or yeah. yeah, or flip it. Yeah. Or you can roll that into another property and um, via 1031 exchange and you defer the taxes at a later date when you actually sell that property. But then you can do a 1031 in perpetuity. You can continue to do it until you die, until your kids die, until everyone dies. You can still do a 1031 and uh, you can defer the taxes. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. So I guess, where can people find you? So anyone who wants to... um, get a free resources guide for apartment investing, you can email. Um, I've got an email for you. And the guide is uh, outlines a bunch of resources from websites that you can do market research on uh, to broker websites, to um, websites for trends and multifamily. Also has books that I recommend, podcasts, uh, YouTube channels, things like that. Email info, info at joefairless.com. That's info at joefairless.com. And it's a free guide. We'll get you that guide. Nice. Perfect. Also, and I've heard volume two is coming out, but I do have volume <laughs> one with me. <laughs> nice. Yes. Well, you can go to Amazon right now and get you volume two. Nice. It officially came out. Yeah. So uh, we are talking for the people that are listening and not watching. We are talking the best real estate investing advice ever. Volume one, 
volume one, the book, you can actually mm-hmm. get this on Amazon. And now there is a volume two. Yes. It's important to note the proceeds go to Junior Achievement of Cincinnati. So they help, it helps underserved kids learn financial literacy skills. Amazing. All the profits go towards Junior Achievement of Cincinnati. And Barbara Corcoran personally endorsed volume one. She said, Oh, it's here. Oh, what's she say? What Barbara Corcoran say? This is a no fluff real estate investing book that beginning and experienced investors can benefit from reading. Barbara and real estate mobile. Yeah. So shark, shark tank gal. And then volume two for any bigger pockets, bigger pockets, people. Here's volume two, by the way, it's got a fancy nice. white, white line. There so we, we changed it up a little bit. Right. Volume two, Brandon Turner, who is, um, yeah, you know, one of the lead dogs on bigger pockets. He wrote, bam, the advice in this book is like getting hit in the face with life changing knowledge, free of fluff impact with incredible actual tips for growing your real estate business. So again, all profits go to junior achievement. So get on Amazon, get these books. Yeah. One of the questions that I didn't ask him, and I think it'll be answered by this book, is how do you get started? Well, first you get one of these books, <laughs> and, then, and then and then you, you listen to your podcast, yeah. and then you and then, and then you come listen to yeah. us. <laughs> well, Joe, uh, really appreciate uh, you taking the time and uh, sitting down with us today. Thank Enjoyed you. it. Good catching up thank with you, you too. So Thanks, much. everyone. Perfect. All right, Joe. Thank you so Bye. much. See you soon. Bye. If you're looking for another awesome real estate podcast to check out, be sure to check out the world's longest running daily real estate podcast, the best real estate investing advice ever with Joe Fairless. Joe is a savvy investor and a great teacher and has a ton of awesome guests on there daily to provide you with every aspect of real estate investing advice ever. Again, it's the best real estate investing advice ever with Joe Fairless. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.